goes around to all these people, people send in emails and they say, hey, listen, we want you to come and we want you to to do our job. We want you to see how hard our job is. So he goes around the world and he tries these different jobs. And I really like this job because I love to eat crawfish. You know what I'm saying? Crawfish is so good. It's like, it's like the, the heaven, the fruit of heaven that lives in the sea. So God provided that for us. But, but I can enjoy crawfish only because there's somebody behind the scenes that's doing what this cat was doing on the screen tonight, right? Because there's somebody out there sorting the crawfish, taking the dead ones out and leaving the good ones there and sorting all those crawfish and shipping them off to a distributor or something like that. So the thing is, is a lot of times we want to enjoy the meal, come on, but but we don't appreciate the work that's done in. We don't appreciate uh, kind of the back end, the things that we don't see. And, you know, Jesus, I love this scripture tonight. We're talking about dirty jobs. And uh, I want to share a scripture with you tonight. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. That when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. You say, well, Josh, what does that have to do with work? Well, I'm about to tell you. I'm so glad you asked. How many know that when you buy a field for the purpose of getting the treasure on the field, that you still have a field to work? Come on, you know, and when there's a field, there's weeds in that field. Come on, somebody's got to mow the grass in that field. Somebody's got to water the grass in that field. And there's got to be work done on the field. Yeah, you get the treasure. The treasure's awesome. The treasure's the main thing. But listen, there's work to be done surrounding the treasure. And in the kingdom of God, we have this treasure, Jesus. Come on, are you with me? We have this amazing, phenomenal man. We have the incredible gift, and that's exactly what it is, of salvation. But there is a field that comes with what God has given us. So Jesus said that the kingdom is like that. We get the treasure, but there's this field. Come on, are you with me? Um, this week, we uh, adopted a Great Dane dog. You guys know what a Great Dane is, right? They're like one of the biggest breeds in the world, and we've been wanting one for a long time, so we did the research, and all these people were real negative about it. They're so big, they're going to poop so much, they're going to eat so much, they're going to do all this. And so Brett comes into our house, we meet him on Sunday, and we decide to adopt him. And we love him already, you know, he's already a part of our family. Well, he's really attached to me, okay? I don't know why, you know, it might be like the whole you know, the leader of the pack thing. I guess dogs do that. And so, like, I'm going to be real honest with you. I like this dog, but he's kind of getting on my nerves because, like, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I wake up, and there's this, you know, head that's the size of Judah, my son, right here in front of me, and he's, you know, licking me. And, and then so I tried to sleep in on Friday, and I couldn't sleep in because he was used to waking up at 6 every day like the other days that I wake up, so he thought 6 is time to wake up. And I don't know about you, but I wish my internal clock worked like that. So he's waking me up at 6, and then today I tried to sleep in till 7. And guess what? 6.30, I was up out of bed because Brett was there. And what I'm talking about tonight is that there's a treasure in this dog, but there's a field that comes with it. Somebody's got to clean up the poo. Somebody's got to go and take him to the vet. Somebody's got to do the work involved in owning Brett. Come on. And, you know, in the kingdom, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like everybody wants to eat, but nobody wants to cook. Come on. We love to have people over. I love to, you know, cook meals and have people come eat the food that I cook. But everybody loves to eat. 
You notice that? Everybody loves to eat. Everybody loves to come and stuff their faces and do that. But not everybody loves to clean up. Come on, there's a few people. Come on. And not everybody loves to do the cooking. Come on, but everybody pretty much loves to do some eating. Come on, are you with me? And so the thing is, is in this kingdom, there are a lot of eaters, but there's not a lot of workers. There's not a lot of cooks. And so tonight, I want to talk a little bit about jobs, that works. You know, it's, it's kind of become a bad word in, in church today, especially right now in 2013. If you talk about works, if you talk about deeds, if you talk about effort, if you talk about striving, it's kind of a, a negative thing. We don't talk about that, but Scripture talks a whole lot about it. In fact, Jesus has a big problem with a lot of the churches in the book of Revelations because they do not have these works. Are you with me? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7. When the ground soaks up the, the uh, falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it's useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we don't believe it applies to you. We are confident for better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. Come on. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. You know, here at Overflow, we talk a lot about faith. We talk a lot about right believing, and we should. These are things that we should talk about. We talk a lot about the love of God, the unconditional, the unmerited love of God. We talk about that, and I believe that the love of God should dominate our thinking. It should dominate our theology. Everything should come back to the love of God. And tonight, listen, we're not talking about justification through a list of rules. That's legalism. We're not justified by following the rules. Come on. But listen to this. The church, the New Testament church that, that we embrace so much that we talk about, that we, that we basically build our lives upon, the New Testament church had works. They had plenty of works. In fact, they had so many works that some of them, that it had some of them thinking that the works were actually the thing that made them right with God. So part of the reason why we see this battle with Paul in so much of his writing is because people were going, man, we're working so hard. This is, this is how we know that we're saved. Because we're working so hard. Yellow rock. Maybe it was me. Ephesians chapter 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, we know this scripture, made us alive in Christ when we are dead in our transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. Come on, everybody. Yes, that's a good word. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness uh, to us in Jesus Christ. For it's by grace you have been saved. Come on. Through faith. And it's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Not by works. Stop it. Not by works so that no one can boast. 
And then look what it says. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Listen, you weren't saved because of your good works, but you were created for good works. That's what it says right here in Scripture. It talks about grace. Yes, we're grace. We're, we're saved. We're free. We're going to heaven. We belong to God. God loves us unconditionally. And then he says this. He drops the bomb. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, in the kingdom right now, there's a lot of this kind of easy beliefism going around. It's kind of like, you know, you just kind of believe in Jesus like you would believe in the tooth fairy, right? James, which we're going to talk about in a minute, calls that devil faith. And then we just, then we talk, so we talk about faith like it's just kind of this, this kind of pie in the spot, pie in the sky kind of um, abstract thing that all you have to do is think right thoughts and it's all good. And then we have this false idea about what love is. We're like, well, I love God, right? And that's all about my love for God. And what we're talking about is we're talking about good intentions and connections in our heart, which are great. We want those things. Come on. We want to have faith. We want to believe. But listen, when Jesus said, it is finished, he didn't say, you were finished. He said, it is finished. He was saying, the old system is over. You're no longer justified by those things. But there's a new system in place. But you're not finished. If that was the case, there would be no book of Acts. There would be no New Testament church. This is what we were saved for. And listen, there isn't a pendulum. It isn't the great pendulum or the great scale between faith and works. You know, what is it? Is it faith or it works? It's faith. But because we have faith, we have works. If we don't have works, it's because we don't have faith. Well, not me. I have faith. Do you? Do you have faith? Because James disagrees if you say you have faith and you don't have works. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters? If you say I have faith but do not, have, do not show it by your actions, what kind of, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. <laughs> what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it pr produces good works, and it's dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some have faith, others have good deeds, others are over here, others are over here. But I say, can you, uh, how can you show me your faith if you do not have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you! Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Devil faith. I believe in God. Devil faith. Even the demons believe that. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Useless. 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 Useless works. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions, when he offered his son Isaac on the altar, you see that his faith and actions worked together, and his actions made his faith complete. I want to talk for just a moment about finding glory in the grind. Because there is this aspect of our life. It's everything we do is 
on the foundation of faith. Everything we do is by faith. Come on, are you with me? Everything that we do, we function out of love. But sometimes there's like this grind. And we live in a society that says, man, if, you, if your passions don't feel it, if you don't feel good about it, if it's not the job that you want that God had provided, you can just say no because you have faith in God and he's going to just take care of you. But how many know that faith demands action out of you? If you have faith, then it's going to show up. Um, a year ago, about a year and a half ago, let's back up a little bit, we felt God was calling us to the Metroplex uh, to plant a church. I'd actually been feeling it about six months before that, but then finally told Leslie. And she asked a really good question. I was mad at her for asking it at the time, but she asked a really good question. She said, what are we going to do for money? It was her first question. And it would have been easy for me to sit back and go, you don't have any faith. And I think I probably did say something like that. Come on, just being real. But the reality is, is there's got to be an action corresponding to the faith that we have. And so immediately we started looking for jobs. Immediately we started looking for how can we make money because we know that God has called us to do this. We know that God has called us to do it, but how is he going to provide? Is he just going to dump a bunch of money in in our pockets? That would be awesome. But typically God works through partnership. Are you with me tonight? Typically, God wants to see in us taking, Ab- taking Isaac up the hill. Because we, we talk about the faith of Abraham, the faith of Abraham, the faith of Abraham. Go and study the works of Abraham. Go and study the obedience of Abraham. So here we are, we move out here, and we're like freaking out. And God's providing for us, and he's taking care of us. But we didn't stop looking for work and just going, well, we just believe God. And still, haven't stopped working. Haven't stopped working. Still, God still called us to plant a church. We planted the church. We started the church in our home about 11 months ago. Moved into the building, you know, five, six months ago almost. And so here we are. We're doing this thing. I'm still at the grind. Why? Because I know this is what God's called me to do. So I am going to do everything possible to see that that happens. And it's not just sitting at home praying, come on, which was good. I do that. But I'm not just sitting at home going, God, just bring the money in. God, just bring the money in. I know this is what God called me to do. So I'm doing everything on my end because I have faith in Jesus. I'm saying, God, what did you provide? What ways are you going to provide? So I'm going and I'm searching. You know what this is called? It's called partnership. Because if I was sitting at home, I'd be a lousy husband. If all I was doing was praying, I'd be a lousy husband. Come on. And that wouldn't be very faith-filled. It'd be very presumptuous. But faith says, God, I'll do my part. Are y'all still with me tonight? So, let's talk about glory in the ground. Number one, if you're going to have glory in the ground, and by that I mean that there's some pleasure to what you're doing, because man, there's, it's a field, right? There's some poop to be picked up. Come on, that ain't no fun. Nobody wants to pick up poop. So number one, right? I don't. I told Leslie, I said, we're getting a dog. I was like, uh-uh, we're not getting a dog. Because I, I, I'm looking at the field, right? We're not getting a dog. We're not gonna, we had to clean up all that poop. I'll clean up the poop. All right, you're going to be the poop cleaner then, right? I'm sure I'll be cleaning poop here before too long, right? 
we know, we know how this works, right? But it's okay because we got a treasure. But listen, the first thing you got to do if you're going to find glory in the grind is first of all, you got to recognize that you are destined for duty. And we, we said this scripture, and I'm going to hit on it again. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship created by God's very hand. Come on. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God crafted you. He designed you in a, in a special way that you would be a laborer. That you would sweat sometimes. We call it work for a reason, right? How's work today? Huh? Call it work for a reason, right? work it's working it's laborsome yes we call it work for that reason but it says that God prepared us in advance to be workers God created us in advance to be laborers in the kingdom and listen he didn't give you this thing so you could do it alone in fact, we are co-heirs and co-laborers with Christ. And we've talked about this before. It's like we've been given the promised land. How many know that the children of Israel, they were given the promised land? It was theirs, but they still had to go out and empty the enemies out of the city. They still had to go and clean up the city. Come on. They still had to go in and put their buildings in. It's called faith. And they were activating it. So God has prepared you for work. God has prepared you for grind. You are destined for duty. You are destined to be about the work of the kingdom of God. It's your destiny. It's not an option. It's not like some people are called into ministry and some people aren't. That's a very old, messed up thinking. Read the Bible. We're all ministers. We're all disciples. Ministry for you might be working at a car dealership. Ministry for you might be waiting tables. Ministry for you might be being a missionary in another country. Ministry for you might be being a pastor or a youth pastor. But everything you do is ministry because you're a minister. It's who you are. And this is, how many know that when Jesus gave us the great commission, go therefore make disciples of all nations, we call that the commission, right? We don't call it the mission because the mission would just mean that we have to go and do it. No, it's the co-mission because he comes alongside of us and does it with us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. What's he there to help you for? When you're sad to make you happy? Yes. But he's the parakletos. He comes alongside of us. And he is there with us to do the work of the ministry. That's why Jesus said you'll do more than I did. You'll see more than I've seen in my three years. You'll do more. Because I'm giving you the spirit, the paraclete, to come alongside of you, do the ministry. Come on. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And he's not just there to help us with personal difficulties, but there is something bigger than your difficulties. Come on. There is something bigger than the trouble you're facing today or the trouble you faced 10 years ago or the trouble you're going to face tomorrow. There's always going to be trouble for you to face, but there is something bigger than what is in your little world. Get out of your little world. There's a great big world with a great big mission and a great big God saying, let's do it together. This is what happens, though. When we, when we forget that we're destined for these things, when we do kingdom work, we, we create like a checklist. Like we make lists. Okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And we make task, right? And so 
what happens is six months after doing those tasks, we start complaining and talking about things like burnout. Burnout. I just don't know if I can do anything else for God. It's like, is it really an option? Like, this is who you are. You are destined for, for duty. It's, it's, not like, it's not like that these are tasks and one day it's going to be over. It will be over one day, but then it won't even be over because Jesus is going to make us kings and rulers on the earth in a millennial reign and we're going to be working again. When Jesus said it's finished, he didn't mean go home and sit on the couch and watch the Cowboys lose. They didn't lose this week, but they probably will this week. We know, we know. Just, you know, part of my job as your pastor is just to bring reality to you. <laughs> I think some people just fired me as their pastor. All right. <laughs> But listen, work becomes, a, becomes burdensome when we view it as task, when we view it as I have to do this instead of this is who I am. We have to go to the outrage. We don't tell people about Jesus. No, you just, you do tell people about Jesus because your life is totally saturated in his reality. This is just what you do. It's who you are. You mean I have to help people and, and smile and brighten their day? I mean, what if I'm having a bad day? Yeah. Aren't you hoping somebody's going to do that to you? Are you a giver or a drainer? Listen, we don't work because we have to. We work because it's in our spiritual genes. It's in our spiritual genetics. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. We are doers of God's work of his word and his will. And let me just say this, because I, I feel like I need to make a lot of quote-unquote balancing statements tonight. Christianity is not God's labor camp. Are you with me? It's not like, oh, we're just workers. Because what happens when people are like that? They get all bitter, right? And then they go, well, your work's not as good as my work. You seem to be knowing what I'm doing, right? You guys have met those people before, right? I mean, trust me, I, I've, been, I've been around a little while, and I've seen people that are doing ministry that most people don't do, and they go, well, you need to be doing what I'm doing. How many people have you been there? Right. Right? We're like, okay. Uh, none. I'm totally unspiritual and unclean. And I'm like, that's right, you are. And it means, right? Because that's what happens when we live by tasks. So Christianity is not God's labor camp. It's a love festival. Now, I don't know about you, but when I say that, I, even I kind of, kind of start freaking out a little bit. I start having pictures of, you know, people with round glasses and singing songs with guitars and, you know, people making out. That's what I think of when I <laughs> think love festival. But, <laughs> but listen, when we talk about love festival in the kingdom, we're not talking about singing songs and having visions. We're talking about loving on people and loving on Jesus and worshiping Jesus and serving our community and meeting needs and having a tender heart for those that are deceived and not being driven by anger and frustration because they're not doing what we think they should be doing, even if we're right. We're not talking about weighing people down with obligations because the church has done that enough, but we're talking about a response, a love, faith-filled response to what Jesus has done, to who Jesus made us, that we're king, we are a kingdom of priests, come on, 
So number one, we got to recognize that we're destined. This is who we are. We're destined for duty. We're workers. We have good work ethic. God has a good work ethic. We're being like him. Number two, keep love at the core. Again, we talked about it. What happens when people forget about love, right? Burdensome. Right? First John chapter 5. It's the love for God to obey His commandments, and His commands are not a burdensome. So we got to keep love at the core. Listen, there will always be seasons. There will always be seasons that we have to work hard. There are always going to be seasons when you're hating the work that you're actually doing. Today, I hate this. Listen, some of you, I love you. Some of you, you're going to go into ministry. Thank God for that. But you think it's, you know, you're just going to sit around and like study your Bible all the time and just minister to people. I'm telling you, there's some work. I've worked in the oil fields before and I've done ministry. And work in doing ministry is way harder work than working in the oil field. Way harder. Oil field. That's how we say it. Oh. There will be seasons that where we have to endure it. But God is perfecting in you something. I heard this quote today. I, I was watching these micro videos trying to find a clip for tonight. And he said, and he was talking about this stuff. And the, as far as I know, the guy's not a believer, but he does have a, this, like, work thing, right? And it's admirable. So I'm watching this video, and he says, you know, I run into people all the time that are passionate people. And you think, wow, someone's really passionate about cleaning diapers or someone's passionate about doing this dirty job and that dirty job. And he says, but what I've found, he said that whenever he was a kid that he used to tell people, just do whatever you're passionate about. Just do whatever you're passionate about. And he said, you know what I've discovered after doing this show and after being one of all these people, don't just do what you're passionate about. Take your passion with you. And I was like, dang, that'll preach, Mike Rowe. <laughs> right come on and man that's the way we've got to be we are passionate people come on whether it's changing a poopy dopper in the nursery come on or talking to somebody and praying somebody over somebody and seeing a healing right before your eyes whatever we're doing we're doing it for god's glory whatever we're doing we're doing it with all of our might because we are all in people we are passionate and we're passionate at whatever we do. And do we need to do the thing that's longing in our heart? Absolutely. That's what God's created for us. But sometimes there's a field. I remember when I, I, I youth pastored, right when I got after, uh, out of, uh, when I was in, in Christ for the Nations, uh, you know, long time ago, I started youth pastoring while I was there, and it was really fun. You know, it was kind of a part-time thing, and, you know, just a couple hours a week. I'd drive over to Mesquite from campus and do all this stuff. And then I moved back home to Odessa, and I started youth pastoring at the church that I actually got saved in. They started this minute, they, they started a church. It wasn't actually a church when I got discipled there, but it was like an inner city ministry, and they became a church. Well, so when I moved back, they said, hey, we want you to start the student ministry. I was like, oh, heck no, because I knew how hard it was going to be. And so God just started working on my heart, right? I was stupid. I should have just said, yes, something needs to be done, and I, I need to do it, right? I was kind of hoping for an easy job. Well, it didn't open up. 
So I said, okay, God, I, I see what you're saying. So I ended up going to work. And the exact same day, my first Wednesday night, and dude, for youth pastors, it's like Wednesday night, that's like your jam, right? That's like, that's like the most important day in, in the world, right? It's like everything revolves around Wednesday. Kind of like right now, everything for us as the pastors here, everything revolves around Saturday. Well, for, for, for me, it was like, dude, Wednesday nights, that's where it's at. Well, the first Wednesday night we had, I got a new job because I needed to make some money. Uh, substitute teaching, and that wasn't working out very good because I get a call every morning. They'd be like, do you want to go to work today? And I was like, heck no, I don't want to go to work today, right? I was like 24. Of course I don't want to go to work today. I mean, what kind of question is that, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a bad idea for, for me at that age. I was very undisciplined. Well, so I decided I was going to go to work making pretty good amount of money working in the oil field. And so I started working. I was working 50 hours a week. The day that I started youth pastoring was the same day I started working in the oil field. 50 hours a week in youth pastoring. I mean, no, it's what, not what I thought I was getting into when I signed up at Bible College. I want to be a youth pastor. So here I am working, and it was so hard, and, and it was just it was stressful because all the other guys would work till like 9 at night on Wednesdays, and I cut out early so I looked like the noob so I could go and I could do what God had called me to do. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God didn't just call me to do the quote-unquote spiritual ministry. God also called me to work in the oil field because he was wanting to do a work in me. So I was doing all that, and I, and I had this, you know, for two and a half years. All right? It wasn't like a just little season. And when you're, you know, 25 years old, you know, 24, 23, something like that years old, like two and a half years is a big deal. I mean, some of you guys are that close to that age right now. I mean, it's not, that's not a chunk of your life. And so I did that for two and a half years, and then finally the church was able to, to bring me on full time. Well, I had a conversation with a guy several years after that, and he said, he said, Josh, he said, how, how did you do that? <laughs> how did you go every morning, wake up at five o'clock in the morning on every Wednesday, wake up at five o'clock in the morning, go to Whataburger and eat uh, biscuits and gravy and study for your lesson that night and go to work and work eight hours in the oil field, the hard oil field and working on pumps and all this kind of stuff. Then at five o'clock, check out, go take a shower, go get the church van, go and pick up all the kids, come back to the church, do worship, worship practice, hang out with my kids, minister to my kids, lead worship, preach, get back in the van and then drive back all my kids, go hang out with my kids till about 11 o'clock, drive them all home because they were in the hood, so I had to drop them all off on the bus, take the bus back to the church, pick up my car and go home and get home about almost at midnight on Wednesday nights and get, had to get up at 5 o'clock the next morning. He said, how did you do that? I said, because the only way that I could fulfill my destiny is if I existed as a man. The only way that I could be the youth pastor was I, they weren't paying me I had to survive. I had to pay my rent. Come on, I had to pay for my car. I had bills. The only way that I could do what God had birthed in my heart is do something else, and I did it with passion. And listen, I didn't do it because I loved working in the oil field. I did it really because I loved God. And I just wanted to be obedient to what he was calling me to do. Listen, the, the depth of love is not measured by sincere intent, but by willing sacrifice how much are you willing to give up to do what god's put in your heart to do how dirty are you willing to get your hands to do what god's called you to do now i don't tell you that i want to do that again because <laughs> it was rough it was tough man but i'm telling you 
there was something greater that I wanted to do. But in order to do it, I had to buy the field. I had to buy the field. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to skip a little bit here. Romans chapter 12. You guys have the notes on the on our mobile app there on our website. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says, love must be sincere. Okay, yeah, 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 my love is sincere. Hate what is evil. Oh, okay. And cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. You know what devo- You know what love looks like? Devotion. Love looks like devotion. This is no matter what. No matter how convenient it is. It's no matter what. Honor one another above yourselves. And then says this, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in passion. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. What we've got to do is we've got to recognize, man, God, I love you. And I love what you called, called me to do. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to buy the field, to get the treasure. Y'all okay tonight? Number three. <clears throat> number one, recognize you're destined for duty. Number two, keep love at the core. Number three, discover rest through obedience. Let me just tell you this tonight. There is no rest in functioning outside of what Jesus has created you to do. There's no rest. There's no peace. But we find true rest not through being lazy. Come on. We find rest obedience we find rest that when we're able to lay our head at the end of the day and we realize how hard it was really to do what God had put in our heart to do how hard it was to do the field work are you with me tonight and we go that was so hard but God it was so worth it because I get to do this I can't tell you how many Saturday nights that I've gone home with a full heart over the last six months. Just what God's doing at Overflow and how God's growing our little church and God's blessing and people are coming and serving and and it just blesses us. And I can't tell you how many nights I go home after a Saturday night and rest my head on my pillow and go, man, what's not good? This is just so good to serve God. This is just so fun to do what God has called us to do. And I can tell you, I don't always feel that way on like Tuesday or Wednesday when I'm wore out because I'm holding down four jobs. But it's the field. And I'm not doing any of that for reward. The reward is getting to plant a church. The reward is getting to do overflow. The reward is getting to live life with you guys. That's the reward. And it's worth it. And hopefully I don't have to do the crime forever and have the four jobs. But even if I have to, Look what I get to do. Look what we get to see. Look at the beautiful thing that God is doing. And there is so much rest in that. There is so much fullness of heart and just, listen, I believe this. Some of you are even thinking right now, and you you can apply this 
in all kinds of areas. You can, you can think of it as it, it, it laboring for God at home with your family because it is kingdom work. Come on, working with your family. That is kingdom work. You can think of it as, as, as working in the community. You can think of it as, as serving at the church. You can think of labor or these things or laboring in the community, uh, setting up meetings. I, kn- I know this past week I, I, I'm setting up meetings with like our city councilmen and things like that because I, I really want to make an impact in our community. And it's going to take all of that. It's going to take labor. It's going to take work. It's going to take some effort. But God is with us. But what you've got to understand is that you are sowing seeds with your time. I really believe this. I believe that so many people are frustrated. Most of the people that will go around and go, I don't have time to do anything else for God. Listen, those that will go around and say that, I don't have time to do anything else for God. I'm so busy at work, and I'm so busy at home, and I'm so busy with soccer practice. I'm so busy with this, and I'm so busy with that. I just don't have any more time. Listen, I'll tell you right now, you make the sacrifice, and you sow that seed of your time, and you watch the rest of your time be better. You watch the rest of your time. You start feeling like, man, I feel so rested. Like, we're doing all this? That's exactly how I feel right now. I'm not like, I, I'm so busy right now. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to be real with you. I'm so busy right now. Some days I'm like so stressed out and so overwhelmed, right? But, I, but at the same time, I'm like, ah, I got to do all this. I got to do all this. And then I'm just like, it is so good. I wouldn't be doing anything else in the world. Would have been nice to get some, you know, big pastor's office and a church that's already built with some congregation that's already there. We were praying for that. We wanted that. But God had a different plan. And we love Jesus, so we're just like, come on, let's do it. And I'm telling you that even in all that, and even all the hours I'm putting in and all the frustration, there's so much rest. I feel so alive. You know what I'm saying? And I believe that that's for you tonight. You're going to feel more alive than you've ever felt as you give sacrificially. Listen, I'm not talking about what you want to do, and I don't really do that. Maybe you need to do something you don't want to do. Develop some character, because that's what people, people of character, that's what they do. They do stuff that they don't always want to do. Right? That's what we call character. Right? (laughs) Well, I don't want you just do, do whatever you want. You know what you call that when you do whatever you want? Lost. (laughs) Okay. You all right tonight? Preaching all them works. Absolutely preaching works tonight. Dirty jobs. Dirty. You dirty. All right. Listen. (laughs) All right. Matthew chapter 5. Listen. Jesus says this. I love it. I love it. Matthew chapter 5. We're finishing up tonight. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds not see your good love, not see your good faith, but see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, as you give up, just a little bit, give, give up some, some awkwardness to lead a family prayer meeting. Come on. Give up a little bit of your time to serve here at Overflow or start an encounter group in your, in your home. Give up some time to be the kingdom of God in your community and go love on somebody or have a meeting or go to a, you know, some kind of HOA meeting or something. Just give up something just to be there and say, I'm here, and you're not going to say it, but in your heart going, I'm here, I represent Jesus. That's why I'm here. I'm not here because, you know, 
I want to petition the, the deal on the HOA list. I'm here because Jesus needs somebody here, and I'm that guy. And I'm not praying that God will send somebody else. I'm just going to step up. So what are you doing for the kingdom? And again, I'm not just talking about what we're doing at Overflow. We want that. We need that. But listen, I'm talking about what are you doing in your life, your everyday grind. Is it about Jesus? Or is it just about making money or getting an education? Is your faith in action? What does your love look like? What does your passion look like? I'm going to finish with the scripture that I skipped over earlier. It's 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. It says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope.